Hello, and welcome to McGavin Fry's Movie Podcast. Hello, I'm Gavin. I'm Ian. And uh, today, as per usual, we shall be talking about various uh, movie-related news and uh, movie reviews. And uh, when we're done, we will wrap it up with the Malaysian Top 10 box office and the US Top 10. So uh, this week I had a look at Fanboys and Confessions of a Shopaholic. What do you got coming up? I'll be reviewing uh, The Boat That Rocked, the uh, latest comedy from Richard Curtis, the uh, creator of Four Weddings and a Funeral, Notting Hill, and Love, actually. Is that it? Um, yep, and I will be doing a very, very short review of uh, another movie called Hooking Up, which is uh, an atrocious film <laughs> that, uh, that I watched for very personal reasons, the, those reasons I will get to once it comes time to do the review. One not to watch. There you go. I also managed to catch State of Play, which uh, I will go so far as to say it is an excellent film, and I would like to re- I would like to review it, but I'll review it next week because I think I need to see it again because <laughs> it is that dense. <laughs> you may have noticed there's no theme this week, so it's not the beginning of a new trend. It's just that my computer's broken. And there you have it. All right, uh, let's start off with some news. No, let's start off with the email address. Again, we've no emails this week, so um, if you want to get in contact with us about anything at all, our opinions, our wants, our desires, email in to podcast at mcyapandfries.com. That is podcast at mcyapandfries.com. If you uh, like what we're doing, uh, please send us a mail. If you don't like what we're doing, please send us a mail. If uh, you're kind of ambivalent towards the whole thing, you just want to give a shit, please send us a mail. If you thought you were downloading Gardner's World, please send us a mail. <laughs> but uh, you know, either way, it's always nice to get it's always nice to get email, and it's nice to know. To get some feedback, basically. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think more than anything, that's what we're looking for, is yeah. some feedback. Are we on the right track? Do we please you? Do we annoy you? Do is we it, pleasure you? Do we pleasure you? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if it happens to be the uh, the last of those, then you should definitely email my personal email at... <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> email it into podcast me. Podcast. I'll give you his personal one on his phone number. No, no, no. Don't give my personal one. <laughs> Don't. He only works weekends. Don't. <laughs> Anyway, podcast at mcyappenfries.com. I got an interesting piece of uh, news here to, to kick us off with, although I'm not so sure if you would uh, call this news. It's more of an interesting rumor. But apparently, Joel Silver, mm-hmm. um, also known as um, The Prick mm-hmm. <laughs> by various directors, particularly Richard Donner, um, was at a pre- press conference when he was talking about his new film, White Out. Uh, that's the uh, new film based on the Greg Rucker comic that's uh, coming out starring Kate Beckinsale. Beckinsale. Looks pretty good. Yeah, looks trailer pretty good. Looks trailer decent. looks pretty awesome. Uh, but Joel Silver is uh, one of. I the ain't never gone to the North Pole or South Pole or any poles. Well, even if this movie didn't exist, would you ever want to go to the North Pole? Well, I mean, England. I mean, who are you, Al Gore? You know what? You know, it's like you want, you want to prove another inconvenient <laughs> truth. <laughs> Let me tell you about the truth. It's very inconvenient. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Joel Silver is one of the producers on Whiteout, and uh, at a recent press conference, he started talking about um, you know the whole new uh, 3D technology mm-hmm. and of a potential project that he would like to do, and he would like to do it in 3D. And that project is Swamp Thing. But there's already a Swamp Thing in the works. Um, is there? Yeah, it's some guy who's like related to the guy who came up with it originally. Really? Is it Swamp Thing? Is it Ish? No, it's not something. It's Creature in the Black Lagoon. Sorry. Creature in the Black Lagoon. There's a swamp. There's a monster in it. I get confused. Dude, Creature in the Black Lagoon and Swamp Thing are not the same thing. Especially, I know they're not the same especially thing. Especially after Alan Moore. They are I know, not I know, the I know, same I thing. I know. I know. Ever since Alan okay, Moore's... Okay, 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 okay. Whatever you want, Leo gets. Yeah. No, let me tell you about the drive-thru. They fuck you in the drive-thru, okay? <laughs> they fuck you in the drive-thru. You're not going to be miles away before you realize you just got fucked. Who gets fucked this time? Oh, Leo gets gets fucked. 
It was the Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing. Um, there's abs- that is pretty much where the rumor stops. He does not talk about who else may be involved. He does not talk about when it may be happening. But it, he, what he does say is that it is a movie that he has had the rights for for a long time and that it would be great to do in 3D, which I agree with. Mm. However, it won't make a bit of difference if the script sucks. Yeah, yeah. Which, it doesn't well, scream 3D to me. I mean, Swamp Thing, we're, we're, we're entering Punisher territory. Very much so. You know, we're entering Punisher territory in the sense that this... I, I think I chapter skipped through Swamp Thing recently. I just got a copy of it and I was just chapter scripting through and I was like, oh my God, that movie was ropey. Yeah, I mean, if, if Joel Silver goes ahead with this project, this will be the third attempt at a Swamp Thing movie. Yeah. But having said that, it's not quite the same as the Punisher movie. In the, as, as, you know, they're not quite in Punisher territory in the sense that all three Punisher movies really tried to be Punisher movies. Yeah. I'm seeing the last one. Yeah. They failed. You know, because they obviously just didn't get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but they, I like the Thomas Jane one. I, really I, like didn't, that. I didn't mind the Thomas Jane one, but I mean, come on, man. There are certain things in it that... I found you, a Russian in a white and red stripy shirt. That was great. No, no, no. I mean, like, the... the uh, okay, the Thomas Jane Punisher that was directed by Jonathan Hensley, um, the... The scenes in the movie in which they faithfully referenced the Garth Ennis comics yeah. were cool. That was cool. They were cool. And um, personally, I feel that Thomas Jane was a very good Punisher. Yeah, I love the way he tricked out his car and then he just got bit, punked. Yeah. He got you know, totally punked and by... That, and that whole, to use any of the and shit that in that whole game. fucking El, El Mariachi fucking assassin. That was pretty cool. I mean, the movie had some things to recommend it, but I think... Where the Punisher movies fail is that they fail to deliver a Punisher movie that can please Punisher fans. Yeah, it's you know like fans of the comic who really it's got it's are, a very niche. Yeah, crowd. who are completely at ease with the fact that this guy is a complete cunt. Yeah, you know he doesn't have to have any redeeming, redeeming qualities. Yeah, and that's where they fuck up. But whereas with the Swamp Thing movies, the the two that had come out previous. Because when, when you say Swamp Thing to me, I think Alan Moore. Yeah. I think Alan Moore's run. I think, um, an, you know, like Andy Dick's run. Yeah. You know, I don't, I, don't, I don't think of it as some campy thing, which is what the previous two Swamp Thing movies tried to do. They tried to camp it up. Yeah. I mean, come on. When you got Heather Locklear in your movie, that, that, that says something about it, you know? Uh, you know, Wes, Wes Craven, what the fuck were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> but... If they were to do a proper, like, honest to God, serious, take the subject matter seriously, Swamp Thing movie, I would love to see that. If it was in 3D, that would be awesome. That would be cool. That would be, that'd be cool. The fact that Joel Silver's behind it is a little worrying because he's not exactly known for his, uh, you know, movies. Artistic that, integrity. Movies that deal with uh, the subtlety of character, in which, and, and which Swamp Thing very much is. Yeah. I mean, it very much is a character study. If you take that character seriously the way Alan Moore did, I mean, for those of you who, aren't, who are familiar with, who are into comics... Uh, but have not read uh, the, the the Alan Moore run of Swamp Thing, then you need to read that shit right now. I yeah, mean, he's a guy who becomes a plant accidentally, and then the way they, that Alan Moore twisted it was he's the green elemental, isn't he? He's from the green. It's like representing he's actually nature fighting yes, back and stuff, yes. and they t- twisted it completely in the tag. Whereas before that, he was just like another hero with a, pa- a superpower. Yeah. The superpower was he could grow. Yeah, and... You know, like and like, give him a bit of baby bio, he'd fuck you up. And like some of the other, um, you know, heroes. Basically, whenever, whenever, like other people, like normal pedestrians, looked at him, they would run. You know, like, screaming. He's, screaming. he's Shrek. He's an ogre. <laughs> he's a bit more than an ogre. Yeah. <laughs> he's fucked up, is what he is. But it's a truly beautiful, like, uh, tragic human tale. Yeah. And if 
It was even, I think they gave online the copy where it's like he's not actually Alec Holland, he's just Alec Holland's dead. Yeah. But he's actually just a plant that subsumed his memories, so mm-hmm. he's, he, he can never become human again. It's just like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is a Greek fucking tragedy. Yeah, totally. It is total Greek tragedy, which. <laughs> Actually, the more that I think about what it is, the more I don't want this movie. That won't play play well with the Transformers crowd. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Joel, we've raised the bar so high there is no bar uh, silver. No, I don't think so. <laughs> but I mean, I thought it was worth mentioning because every time I hear Swamp Thing in regards to like making a new movie, I'm always interested because I do have a lot of love for that character. Cool, especially the Alan Moore run. But yeah, I thought that was worth bringing up. There's a trailer online this week for the new George Clooney movie, The Men Who Stare Goats. This movie looks fucking funny. It looks awesome. I mean, I saw, I'd heard about it a while ago, and it was like, it wasn't clear again what, what kind of way they were going to go with it. It's about the uh, U.S.'s psychic operations teams in the 60s and 70s and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So these were guys, they were trying to train psychic spies, or as George Clooney calls them, or Jedi. Jedi. <laughs> And, and, were, and he says this to Ewan McGregor. Yeah, Ewan McGregor. So <laughs> he's Obi Wan. The the thing the, the thing about them staring at goats is they would stare at goats to try and kill them with their mind. Yeah. Some. I mean. Uh, yeah. I highly recommend you download this trailer and check it out. I mean, yeah. George Clooney has has perfected this kind of character. Yeah. It's got that. It's got the George Clooney tone. He's like he's seriously badass, but he's like a fuck up as well. And uh, the rest of the cast in this looked amazing yeah, as well. This, this, Jeff has, Bridges is just genius as a hippie fucking army general who's trying to teach them how to do all this shit, like driving jeeps blindfold so they can learn how to see with their minds. I know, and I haven't seen a, a move that ballsy since I watched uh, Tommy Lee Jones ask um, Nicolas Cage to drive a truck with one eye blinded and Firebirds. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck's Firebirds. Firebirds was a Blue Thunder ripoff of Tommy Lee Jones, Nicolas Cage, and Sean Young. It was a Blue Thunder ripoff. It was ages and ages ago. <laughs> and uh, Nicolas Cage plays this hotshot fucking pilot. Yeah. And uh, Tommy Lee Jones is the guy who's there to basically knock him down, basically to tell him, you don't know as much as you think you know. And uh, basically puts him in this Jeep and blinds one of his eyes, like puts a patch over one of his eyes and is like, right, drive. <laughs> this is how I'm going to teach you to fly a plane. <laughs> <laughs> and like, but pr- the scene prior to that, where Nicolas Cage is in the flight simulator yeah. and he's shooting everything. He just keeps going, I am the greatest! Oh, God. I am the greatest! As only Nicolas Cage can do. Put back in the box. But yeah, this, this movie, um, The Man Who Stare at Goats, it has a cast to die for. It's George Clooney, Ewan McGregor, Jeff Bridges, and Kevin Spacey. Yeah, and Ewan McGregor seems to be the weak link because in the trailer, he's giving a voiceover of uh, researching the story about this guy and then, you know, he's in, interviewing and then he gets reactivated. So it's like, I can come with you. It's like, you know, it's my friend. I, I went with my friend Len for a story, but I got an adventure. It's like, ah, fuck off. That was terrible fucking plan in the voiceover. It was, it was. But I also think that he's saddled with probably the most uninteresting role. Probably, yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, when you take a look at everybody else in that trailer, everybody seems to be having the time of their life. Yeah, Whereas, I think it's going to be them doing a mission while flashing back to the other stuff and Kevin Spacey's in it. And it's like, you know, training to see the future. And this, I think it's Kevin Spacey at a wedding. And he's like, congratulations, Bob. Too bad it won't work out. Yeah, too bad. Too bad. Yeah, too bad. Yeah, because they're all supposed to be psych. Yeah. <laughs> but none of them can fucking do it. Oh, the bit where it says, like, we're training soldiers to run through walls. It has this guy running full tilt at a wall. And he just goes straight into it and knocks himself the fuck out. I know. It's it, This movie does look very funny. Uh, yeah. Another interesting, uh, well, it's not really news, but it's like a, something that was pretty amusing. <laughs> is that Bradley Cooper was on The Tonight Show mm-hmm. uh, recently with Conan O'Brien. He was talking about 
uh, he talked a little bit about the uh, the whole Green Lantern experience. Oh yeah, and there's uh, actually we've got some Green Lantern news coming up later. in a bit. Um, but he was because uh, it, it's it was very widely covered that um, the role of Hal Jordan, who is the Green Lantern, was um, it was between three people. It was between Bradley Cooper, um, who is from The Hangover and Alias and Midnight Meat Train, yeah, and uh, Wedding Crashers. Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds and Justin Timberlake. Yes. 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 Um, the was it before as well? Was uh, James McAvoy at one point was mentioned as well somewhere? I don't know? think so. I don't think so. I don't remember James McAvoy being mentioned. Before. I remember Chris Pine being mentioned. Before. Yeah. Um, Chris Pine, the new Captain Kirk. Uh, that would have been interesting. Mm. Uh, but eventually, Ryan Reynolds won out, which uh, I think was a good choice. No, he didn't. Bradley Cooper won out. You said Ryan Reynolds. Ryan, yeah, won out. And he won the role. All right. This is Bradley. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> For Green Lantern. Why are we talking about Bradley Cooper then? Because he's is something amusing that he said on the Tonight Show. What did he say? Um, he was. Uh, he, he was basically saying that re- he was not surprised at all that he didn't get it because his audition technique um, was not the correct thing. I mean, what he said was like Conan said, uh, and I quote: "There's a Green Lantern movie that's coming out, and there's a rumor that you tried out for the part of Green Lantern." And Bradley Cooper says, "I did," which was amazing to even get a chance, but. I couldn't not do Christian Bale <laughs> when I was doing the audition. <laughs> Why? And it's like, I don't know what it was. The director was like, okay, Bradley, this time just be regular. And I was like, yeah, 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 I got it. And Take it uh, <laughs> But apparently he just kept doing the Christian Bale Batman voice. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> Anyway, um, you, can, you can actually download this clip. So, like, I, I, I tried to download it earlier, but it wouldn't fucking play. So, it's on NBC.com. It's on NBC.com. So, yeah, also due to Green Lantern now, they're saying... Because of the, the U.S. is obviously some place that's cheap to make TV shows all the time. It's why Stargate, every planet looks like Vancouver. And uh, Green Lantern now as well. Apparently, they were going to shoot, I think, in the studios in the uh, Australia. But it turns out that the strong Aussie dollar, which I think the Aussie dollar has been shit for a while, which surprised me, I think. Well, it's not necessarily strong unless you have American dollars, which yes. ain't that great. Which ain't that great. <laughs> yeah. So it's relatively strong. So not to say the Malaysian ringgit is fucking flying up <laughs> to the stratosphere. Dude, I travel anywhere. I just go next door to Singapore, I'm feeling the pain. <laughs> I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> because it's not so cheap now, they're not sure what they're going to do with it. So kind of... You know, all the, all the shit that could happen to derail this movie, you wouldn't expect the budget to fucking fuck it up. One of the, I thought it was funny and any cool. They were talking about shooting in Ireland, but then it would need all need to be green screen because, like, you know, they can't shoot anything outside. It rains all the fucking time. God, even even movies that take place in Ireland sometimes don't shoot in yeah. Ireland. <laughs> but I mean, they were saying that the Irish government does have there's a shit. I mean, if, I mean, if you, fuck, if you want to make a tax break, try and make a movie in Ireland. You'd be rolling in cash. I hope this movie happens. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I mean, like, I was skeptical about it to begin with, and to a certain extent, I still am skeptical about it because it is out of... All- a hard sell. It is a hard sell. It's and a al- space cop with a magic ring. And also, I mean, like, out of um, all of the uh, DC, like, all of the mainstream DC characters, yeah. um, Green Lantern is the one that is probably the most hard edge in terms of, in terms of solid science fiction. Yeah, it, 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 it is sci-fi. I mean, there's no way you can make a Batman Begins out of this because he gets the ring and he fucks around Earth for a bit. But it's, yeah. it's a magic ring belonging to an elite core of space cops who patrol the spaceways. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and they look fucking alien. Yeah. You know, I mean, they all have, I mean... The, one, of the, a, one of them's a ball. Some of them are like, what, what, what's what, Kilowog? Looks like a giant pig. That, that huge fucking fat rabbit. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they even have. They even have, I think Mogo the living. No, no, it's a walrus. Ego the, the living planet, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ego I, the living planet. There is a Green Lantern who is an actual sentient planet. How the fuck do you sell that? I know. I mean, this is it is it is really out there, but it is so. It is the kind of movie that if they if they actually took it seriously and if they went the whole hog with it, this could be one of the trippiest fucking movies you've ever seen in your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and the everybody they've got involved in it so far. It's Buck it, Rogers. Yeah, I mean, like you know, Martin Martin Campbell, I think is a solid choice. Yeah. You know, as long as he keep, as long as he takes his fucking Casino Royale game to the plate. Yeah. And not uh, no escape from Absalom, or Vertical Limit, or no, was, or, it, or, you, or, was it called No Escape from Absalom here? Huh? There's no escape in the in Europe. I think we talked about this before. Yeah, we have talked about it. It was called. It was called. No, it was no escape in the states, and it was no escape from, from the, the prison colony, from Absalom in some other fucking place. Yeah. This is a terrible movie with Stuart Gordon, Ray Liotta, and Ed, Ernie Hudson. That's yeah, fucking awesome. <laughs> it's so bad, it's good. But come on, man. <laughs> He's on an island, loads of prisoners. He's got to get off. Yeah, we've never heard that story before. <laughs> but uh, you know, and Guggenheim was working on the script, and so I mean, like, hopefully, hopefully. The movie will happen. I just, I just hope that they take it all the way with it and really flesh out the Green Lantern. Court. Balls to the wall. Balls to the wall. That's right. But uh, yeah, speaking of green, another movie that's uh, having trouble. Nice segue. The uh, Green Hornet has been pushed back for five months. Um, just Why? its release date. Um, it was supposed to open on July 7, two thousand ten, and now it's going to open on December seventeen, two thousand ten. I mean, this movie—they uh, haven't given any. It's reason. troubled. It is very troubled. I mean, this movie has gone through... Um, Several K-Dots. Yes. Uh, but right now, I mean, originally it was supposed to be directed by uh, Stephen Chow. Um, the only person who has remained the constant is uh, Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen, yeah. Um, Seth Rogen is playing the Green Hornet, and for a while Stephen Chow was also slated to play Kato. He uh, opted out of it to do another superhero movie. But then he was going to direct as well, wasn't he? He was going to direct it, yeah. He was going to direct it and he was going to star as Kato. And then there was this whole thing where he's like saying, oh, uh, I'm not going to direct it, but I'll still play Kato. And then, no, I'm not going to still play Kato. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to yeah. do my own superhero movie. I'm going to, I'm gonna, yeah, because he wanted to go off and do his own super mo- superhero movie with uh, Jack Black. Yeah. Uh, but And then after that, the director that was announced after that was <laughs> the director of Eternal Sunshine of the Spotlight. Michel Gondry. Michel Gondry. Who, it's so genius. It's so brilliant. It's so. It's so. It sounds so retarded. It, it might just be genius. It's way out of left field. It's way out of left field. Um, but and, we talked about this last week. John yeah. Hans. And then Jay. And then Jay Chow was uh, recently cast as Kato, but now it's been pushed back. And according to uh, Seth Rogen, uh, he's very very happy. They're like apparently like because uh, it ain't finished. Yeah. The episode, <laughs> Uh, he said, and I quote, to be relieved and psyched about the change because it does give them more time to finish and promote the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Including an appearance at next year's Comic Con. Next year's. Next year's Comic Con. Yeah, well, it doesn't look like it's going to have much um, competition because uh, at the moment, the, uh, the other movies that are slated to open on December 17, 2010 is the 3D Smurfs movie. Why? <laughs> and also the Warner Brothers animated, animated Yogi Bear movie. I don't know how it's going to go, boo-boo. You're forgetting. I'm government property. <laughs> Other casting news this week. John Landis apparently is working on a movie version of Burke and Hare, and he's landed his lead role, which is, I don't know whether that's Burke or Hare, Simon, Simon Pegg. Yes. Now, when I hear Burke and Hare, I think of like a horror movie. Yep. And then here John Landis attached with Simon Pegg. I'm thinking Brothers Grimm style... They're not really body snatchers. They're mm-hmm. just kind of two ordinary Joes who got stuck in this shit. 
but who knows where it's going to go it's only just announced that he's got Simon Pegg so it was confirmed on the lead as well that he's the lead so Birkenheim were real I looked this up I thought it was just a story of Robert Louis Stevenson the body snatchers but they actually they stole a shitload of bodies and sell them off to medical sciences you couldn't get them in those days mm-hmm. so that's interesting yeah 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 it's uh, I, I was kind of this, this is kind of cool I mean because like John Landis it's one of these guys that like at one point could do no wrong yeah and then just did wrong just did nothing but wrong uh, for those of you who don't know, John Landis is the director of American Werewolf in London, Trading Places, Coming to America, uh, National Lampoon's Animal House. I mean, a lot of the great classic comedies this guy is responsible for. Yeah. Uh, but he um, was also responsible for... Uh, oh, and also he... Blues Brothers. Uh, he is also responsible for Blues Brothers 2000. Uh, Ugh. Uh, and uh, Beverly Hills Cop 3. And, um, and uh, Innocent Blood, which I didn't mind, but didn't do too well. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, lately the guy's been doing a lot of shit films, so I really hope it'd be really nice to see him hit one last one out the park. Yeah, and Peg usually has a good content filter, so hopefully, quality filter, so hopefully he'll do. Well, it's not difficult to say, man. I mean, yeah, did yeah you... well, we haven't seen him, but I'm sure he's seen a script. Yeah, that's right. I mean, did you watch uh, How to Lose Friends and Alienate People? No. Yeah. Yeah. It weren't that great. That's what I heard. <laughs> that's why I didn't watch it. I think I have it somewhere. But, I mean, there's so many things that, that happen um, in the process of making a film. You know what I mean? Like, you could have a really good script, and then the, the shooting process fucks it up. The yeah. studio fucks it up. You can have a shit, well, sc- you can have a shit script yeah. and come out with a good film. You know, it, it's really just bizarre. Of how John Landis fucks it up. You can, John I think Landis. it happened. Yeah. What the, what, the, what the fuck do you cunts know about writing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, DVD news. You hear there might be a better version of T4 on the way. Uh, yeah, an R-rated version. Yeah, basically the DVD, the Blu-ray, I think it's the Blu-ray release. The DVD release is the movie's rated R, whereas the actual film that came out was rated PG-13. So could be a few little things in there. A lot of US sites saying this could be a better version, but from the rest of the world and ourselves, we enjoyed Terminator 4. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, uh, I, I didn't mind Terminator Salvation. I yeah. thought it was a... I thought for what it was supposed to be, it delivered fine. I mean, it wasn't a patch on the first two. Obviously not. But... You know, like I, I think uh, we talked about this during our review of it, is that you guys need to get the fuck over James Cameron. Yeah, you need to just like let it go. You but know, Terminator I mean, Two is awesome. It is awesome, but I mean, like if that's Terminator for you, and if you're going to be a dick about it, then <laughs> don't watch the others. Yeah, you know, I mean, if you want to give these others a shot, then you have to understand that it's not being made by the same guy who made the Terminator that you love yeah, so much. Yeah, I know. This was this was the Xbox generation Terminator. Yeah. I mean, you watch it, it's like, this is, direct, this is directed by an Xbox director. Yeah, yeah, it's you all, know? and MTV, it used to be MTV directors, all quick cuts and stuff like that. They did say the R rating comes because of some violence and brief nudity. And Which had, basically means we're going we're gonna to see the moon, blood God's moon breasts, blood good yeah. tits. You know? Yeah, I think they said the only stuff that he got cut in the, in the promotion for it, he said the only thing that got cut from the movie to make it for PG-13 were a glimpse of moon, blood God's breasts, and one brief moment of violence. So if they put just those back in, hopefully there's a bit more to them now. Difficult to say. Yeah. I mean, like, how much more could you possibly put in? Okay. Well, like, uh, and um, Robin Williams is uh, doing a movie called uh, Wedding Band. Because mm-hmm. he obviously hasn't learned his uh, lesson from uh, doing, doing that... Uh, he that shit, the priest? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what was License that? to wed. License to wed, yeah. License to fuck off and die. Robin Williams, I mean, Robin Williams, I, Jesus, this guy needs to stop doing comedy. Yeah, I know, that, that's, I know that's a really bizarre thing to, to say, but, I mean, these days, I mean, like, when I think of all of my favorite Robin Williams performance... Morph's dead. 
Yeah, I mean, what like that is Robin Williams. He needs to do those weird movies where he's creepy little fuck from next door and shit like that. He needs to do another one-hour photo. Yeah, I mean, because to me, those are the roles. Or Insomnia. He was Insomnia. Good he was good. At that. He's, no. he, he has he has graduated to that acting thing. He just he's unfortunately it's cost him his comedy gene. No, yeah, I mean, but the thing is, is that uh, you know, I mean, Robin Williams. Every time he doesn't do comedy. I love watching him. Yeah. He's awesome to watch whenever he doesn't do comedy. It is comedy, you get past fucking Adams. You do comedy, I mean, like, you gotta have, you gotta have a, it's gotta be hard-edged. Yeah. It's gotta be hard-edged, like, you know, and it looks like a World's Greatest Dad is that kind of, that kind of comedy. Yeah. But it's like, when he do, when he does his RV, his license to wed, his Patch Adams, his fucking... Jack. His fucking Jack, what his was fucking it Jumanji. What was they call it? Jumanji's good, fuck off. <laughs> Jumanji was the last blip on the ever decreasing spiral. His his flubber, you know. I yeah, mean, flubber was shit. That was flubber was shit. You know, it's like when he does all these movies, it's like, it's 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 a fucking circus. You know, yeah. it's, it's not funny. But uh, and he's got a movie coming out in November with John Travolta called Old Dogs. It's from the producers of oh, Wild God. Hogs. Oh, can, can Jesus you... Christ! I saw the I saw the ad for the trailer. Just like I can click on it. it, just looks. The poster alone makes me want to vomit. I know. It just like yeah. I mean, like just slumming it to the. Max. It's old guys with dogs. Hilarity ensues. It's just slumming it to the max. Yeah. It's just like fucking a. Check please. Yeah. Exactly. But uh, anyway, he's got this movie. Uh, he's doing this movie with Disney called Wedding Band. And uh, he stars as one uh, half of the parents of a bride and kidnap her on her wedding day to keep her from making a mistake, leading them, uh, leading to them eluding both the cops and her angry groom while finding themselves coming closer together. <laughs> this is all right, actually. <laughs> well, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. Uh, but uh, apparently, I mean, like they Disney like signed him up for this movie really quick after. Uh, old dogs so whether that says anything about old dogs or whether that says anything about him or whether that says anything about Disney I do not know mm. but yeah you gonna do that? yeah sure <laughs> no because I have this as well uh, Rob Zombie is breaking out of the horror camp to move in a kind of a sci-fi horror movie with uh, remaking The Blob yeah remaking The Blob interesting quote he said my intention is not to have a big red blobby thing that's the first thing I want to change it's called the blob. I know. It's about a blob that eats shit. Yeah. It's got to look blobby. Yeah. Damn you, Rob So on we're going to have a, an unblobby blob. Yeah. That gigantic jello looking thing might have been scary to audiences in the 1950s, but people would laugh now. Not if it eats people properly in a horrible, like, body melting way. Yeah, I mean, like you say, it's the blob. It's going to be the, <laughs> the, the Starring Tyler Maine as the blob. <laughs> How can you. How can you? <laughs> he wants to get behind the motivations of the blob. He wants to show the blob as a child. Oh, God. Let's see Halloween, right? Let's see what Rotten Tomatoes wrote about it. It's like, the blob, which was also previously remade in 1988, starring Kevin Dillon, is credited for helping launch the film career of Steve McQueen. Yeah, it did. The actually. original, yeah, that's yeah. right. In a story about a giant amoeba-like alien life form that grows as it devours anything that gets in the way of its acid-like touch. How do they kill it? Uh, I... Can't I've never ever seen that movie sober. Mm. <laughs> Zombie uh, has said of his idea, uh, quote, my intention is not to have a big red blobby thing. That's the first thing I want to change. In other words, he's starting off with the idea of basically making some other movie. Yeah. <laughs> the blob is sort of inherently the story of a big red ooze that eats people. That's what the blob does. It's its thing. <laughs> asking the blob not to be a big red blobby thing would be like asking Rod Zombie to get a haircut and a shave. <laughs> I like Rod's matters. 
Uh, they're good fun. Another trailer out this week as well, the Japanese trailer for 2012. Yeah. Shit just looks better in Japanese. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You, you throw some fucking kanji on anything and instantly it's like, it's like fucking this, awesome. It's like this movie looks like the best movie ever. Yeah. <laughs> The, the, the Japanese Watchmen trailer made it look like fucking Citizen Kane. <laughs> just putting, as I said, putting those kanji on it looks awesome. I have no idea what's going on in the movie. They just had the trailer. They had the English voices actor, but they had another voice actor about the voiceover about the whole mm. end of the world. And it is really the end of the world. Yeah, they, they show a lot more of the action shit in this trailer. Yeah, yeah. more of the, the characters. Like it looks like. Um, John Cusack will be sharing some. Well, they'll be sharing screen time, if not actual time on screen together. Yeah. With uh, here we go. Chewetel Ejiofor? Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Chewy, as they call him on the set of Serenity, apparently. Um, very good actor. I never pronounced his name, but he's very good, yeah. yeah. And uh, He's uh, fighting to get the truth out. He's basically Colin Powell. Mm. <laughs> he's Obama. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, but just to go off topic slightly, like uh, talking about that whole Watchmen in Japanese, if any of you out there know where I can get... Um, a Watchmen poster with Japanese in Japanese. The actual Watchmen text in Japanese. Yeah, I actually, was looking for that online. I couldn't find. Yeah, anything. yeah, yeah. If you happen to, like, I think we actually fucking. In the end of the day, we're gonna have to fucking go to Japan. We have to build one. Yeah, we have the technology. We can build. <laughs> I think that, I got some watercolors somewhere. You know that that movie if it was remade today it would be such a joke. Six million dollars. <laughs> Is it six million dollars? Six million dollars. Yeah. The, the six million dollar man. Yeah. Why the woman didn't have a price price tag attached? Six it's, mi- it's rude to ask a woman how much. Six million cost. dollars. I mean, you can't even make an independent with that. Yeah. <laughs> District Nine costs yep. five times as much as that. I know. You can't make a movie yet alone, Lee Majors. But yeah, 2012. I mean, I'm warming to this now. I mean, it's Roland Emmerich, so he did do 10,000 BC, didn't he? Yes, he did. That was not good. I mean, well, how do you fuck up a movie with cavemen and mammoths? Ask way, Roland Emmerich. The way the way that I see it, as long as this movie, if this movie is as entertaining as the day the earth I mean uh, uh, the day the day after tomorrow I won't mind it yeah I didn't mind the day after tomorrow I mean fucking stupid but then again all of his movies are stupid yeah you know I mean like uh, all of them that that I really like his most intelligent movie was Moon 44 (laughs) with Michael Parrott (laughs) I've been looking for that I want to see that again (laughs) it's a helicopter's on the moon right yeah 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 you know, I mean, like, that that was the most intelligent movie that he ever did. That was the first film he ever did. Yeah, and since then, well, I mean, since Independence Day, all he just does is a trash major city. So that's, that's his thing now. I know, but, like, if you go, like, in terms of just the cheesiness and the no-brain aspect of it, it's been in every movie of his since. Absolutely. Stargate, Universal Soldier, Independence Day, Godzilla, The Patriot. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what was The Patriot? It's like you look at all of his movies and it's like, I just want to work with Mel Gibson. It's a blip. But yeah, it's been a pretty slow news week. Some other things, not really news, but just to show how cool Ernie still is, there was a, he put up on his TwitPic feed a picture uh, in response to someone on his Twitter who'd asked him, I think it's High Def News Caps had asked, does he have the Conan sword? And he said, do I still have the Conan sword? I'm sorry, I do have the Conan, still have the Conan sword. I keep it in my office, here's a picture. And there's an awesome fucking picture of his fucking, the sword in a blue velvet box with the American flag in the background. It's like, I am the American dream. He fucking is. I mean, that shows him as being just awesome. It's like going to the governor's office and there's a fucking broadsword. He's just playing with it, just doing that. Just flicking around his wrist. I'm here to cut taxes. <laughs> Watch me cut these fractions. <laughs> Arnold. 
Soon to be seen in the Expendables. Please, God, make that shit happen. And another stupid news, the makers of the movie Delgo, I think we said we did yeah. this trailer a while ago, are talking about suing Avatar. Fathom Studios said, from what we have seen, we're amazed by the visual similarities in the two films, and we're reviewing what legal options may be available to us. Fuck off! Just, Jesus, fuck you! I mean... Fuck it you. was ten years in the making. Ten years! Ten! Ten years! Ten! <laughs> ten years! Ten years! What the... But, I mean, this is ridiculous. I, I mean, freaked out. I joined the army. <laughs> went into business myself. I'm a professional killer. Oh, do you get dental with that? No. <laughs> Can I join? Yes! <laughs> Gross point blank, everybody. But yeah, these guys, I mean, I'm surprised they have any money left. I think um, the article I was reading this from linked off, I didn't follow it, unfortunately. It said one of the biggest Hollywood debacles of all time, just how this movie got fucked. <laughs> and I mean, yes, the characters have flat noses. There are dragons in it. Fuck off, that's ridiculous. I know, I mean, it's just, it's so fucking stupid. Just, you know, it, it's it's so, su- it's so like, stinks of sour grapes. Yeah. You know, it's like... It's like, shit, DVD sales ain't what we expected. Dude, if your name was James Cameron, Delgo would have made shitloads of money. But it ain't. I need to do it. And you're dumb because you hired Freddie Prince Jr., <laughs> who is not exactly box office gold. Not anymore. It was really only for one film. It was Can just. Can't hardly wait. No, no, she's all that. Can't hardly yeah, wait. Can't he really, wasn't, he wasn't, he that was Jennifer right, Love Hewitt. Can't hardly wait's awesome. It's like three letter actor, three letter act, three letter acronym actors. I can't. Fucking remember can't all those hardly, teenage movies. Can't Hardly Wait is one of the best high school movies of the nineties. Really? Yeah, yeah. I'm too old. It's a it's a cool fucking movie, and it's got a great soundtrack. It's got Dire Straits. Nice. Yeah. Brothers and Arrow, my friend. Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's got a kick-ass soundtrack, and it's got some like hilarious. It's got a good cast. Um, Lauren Lauren Ambrose. The guy from Scream. The guy from Scream. Uh, um, Seth Seth Green. Um, fucking Ethan Embry. See, Seth Green plays this guy who thinks he's black. It's fucking fine. He's like, he's like, uh, like it's the night of the night of this big party. He's like, uh, he's hanging out earlier in the day with his friends, and they all dress black as well. He's like, man, I got to have sex tonight. It took me all night, but I narrowed it down to ten. Very like a finalist. <laughs> and then, like, when he finally does get the chance to like to do it. He, he, he like he, he fucks up and he spills some shit on himself oh, no. and he's trying to like dr- dry his dick off with a blow dryer oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> and he's <laughs> then she's like oh damn she's gonna think I got the premature evacuation <laughs> <laughs> it's good fun there's a clear trip. and it is also the last movie that Charlie Cosmo ever acted in who's Charlie Cosmo Charlie Cosmo and this is how much of a geek I am Charlie Cosmo is the kid from Dick Tracy the son from Hook <laughs> Um, Jessica Lang's Holy shit Jessica Lang's kid From Men Don't Leave <laughs> He was a child star uh, Then went to school Stop acting He was a child actor yeah, He was yeah. in everything He was doing shitloads of stuff yeah, yeah. And then He went to sc- then, then after that quit Went to school After he graduated Did one more movie Can't Hardly Wait And then after that Just went to work In the real world Yeah The real world He's a fucking Something ridiculous Like uh like a, like a politi- like an advisor for the White House or something, it's like something like that. I'm gonna. It's like Chuck being an agent. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just it's fucking bizarre. Well, Gavin searches on the internet, which is always great radio. Um, <laughs> some other news this week uh, in my other big interest: the Bioshock movie is not dead. 
According to Slash Film, a Spaniard Juan Carlos Fernando, Fernando Dillo. We replaced Gorbavinsky in the movie. Gorbavinsky will stay attached as producer. They were just worried about how much this money was going. This movie was going to like fucking cost to make. Um, I played Bioshock. It's an awesome milieu. It's a city under the war, under the sea that's built for um, free thinkers and people like that to expand without limits and have no one to hold them back like government or who takes the work of you, who takes the sweat of your back, and it has this awesome 1920s style setting to it. Mm-hmm. That's like, it, but they find it in the '60s, and this guy gets caught in there, and he doesn't. You, you know, it fucks your head. It's just a really great setting for a movie. Um, unfortunately, putting a city, city underwater is going to cost a fuckload of money. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay, here it is. This is today. This is this week's bit of interesting movie-related trivia. Mm-hmm. Charlie Cosmo, yeah. child actor of uh, of Dick Tracy, Men Don't Leave, and Hook. What about Bob? And what about Bob? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but this is his post-acting career. Uh, he's earned a degree in physics from the Massachusetts Institutes of Technology. MIT, too. Yeah. Plant. 2002, he began working for the United States federal government on missile defense. Fuck. Uh, he has also worked for the Environmental Protection Agency and for the Republican Party in the House of Representatives. He received a Juris Republican Do- Party. Yeah. He received a Juris Doctor degree from Yale Law School in 2006. At Yale, he was a member of the Federalist Society, an organization for politically conservative law students. In January 2006, he and other Yale law students signed an open letter to Pennsylvania Senator Arlen Specter supporting the nomination of Samuel L. to the Supreme Court. In July 2007, Cosmo passed the New York State Bar Exam. Formerly an associate in a New York office of Sullivan Cromwell, Cosmo is currently a visiting professor at Brooklyn Law School. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I reckon he's planning to... You know, get Take back at Steven Spielberg for making him do Hook and um, Beatty for doing Dick Tracy, and he's he's working his way up to the political ladder to fucking nuke Spielberg. But yeah, so check out Can't Hardly Wait because that is the last movie he ever did just before he went off into this, and it's he went off. off. He actually went off. <laughs> Jesus, I mean, like when you—that's <laughs> a hell of a post-acting career. <laughs> he's he's doing better than a lot of the kids on Hook. <laughs> Something we should mention on Friday this week, Jack Kirby yep. was born 92 years ago today. That day. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, creator of Fantastic Four, co creator of Fantastic Four, Iron Man, the Hulk, fucking signature of the Marvel house style of art for the 60s and 70s. I mean, if you, if you think of um, 99% of Marvel characters of, of, like, of that particular era, yeah. it's, it's all him. So, Jack Kirby, we salute Jack you. Jack Kirby. Chin chin. Chin chin. Ah, respect. Respect. Forever after named, uh, forever after immortalized by the, the term Kirby Dots. <laughs> you don't know what Kirby Dots are? Google it. If you get any porn, it's not my fault. Shall we move on to the reviews? Let's move on to reviews. Yes, I think it's time. Right. Should we flip a coin? <laughs> <laughs> this week I saw Fanboys. All right. This is a movie that was kind of, I think I had a kind of a triple production career. It was on and off. Yes, it was. They were talking about getting distribution and all this kind of stuff. The story breaks down to four guys, Eric, Linus, Hutch, and Windows, who find out that Linus... The, the, the movie starts with uh, Eric Moore and then else, who's played by... Um, oh, the guy he was in uh, Superman Returns as... Huntington. Eric, uh, Chris Huntington is the name. Sam. He was, Sam Huntington. Sam he was the Jimmy Olsen in Jimmy Superman Olsen, Returns. Yeah. So it's got, it kind of around him. They've grown apart, and then like the new Star Wars movies coming out, they meet up at the party. The guy's obviously comes Vader, and the 
uh, stormtroopers and he's there as himself as a banker he's a car driver he's, he's the one who's like got out of drawing comics and doing stuff and went into serious life mm-hmm. he sells cars for Shooter McGavin Shooter McGavin Christopher McDonald Christopher McDonald is <laughs> in it he's fucking and <laughs> what is it about all these movie characters lately named Gavin they're all cops <laughs> oh come on I'm gonna go, I'm, no, oh, no, it's, I, it's not about you Christopher McDonald is fucking awesome and I know, is, I know he I has know. a tan that when he takes his hat off you're like He's standing by a white wall and you go like, he's fucking brown. No, he's I, Indian. I love Christopher McDonald. I'm yeah. talking about every time there's a, a guy, a character in a movie whose name is Gavin, he's always a fucking cunt. <laughs> it's, it's like, I'm, I was going to get to that on like, because uh, Risa Fan's character's name is Gavin as well. In what? In The Boat That Rocked. <laughs> he's a fucking cock. I mean, he's got his cock moments, you know, but it's like, you know, like uh, Gavin, uh, like Dan DeVito played a Gavin in War of the Roses and he was a prick, you know, like uh, fucking... Like Shooter McGavin from Happy Gilmore. It's a prick name. He's a fucking prick. It's a total prick name. It's like Jesus. <laughs> Anywho, these guys. Uh, Windows is played by Jay Bruchel, who's always good. I find. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the four, the final line is actually the, the, they get together, start meeting up, and then the two guys, two, the two of the quadruple, uh, explain to him that Linus is actually dying of cancer. Right. He's gotten cancer, and he's only got like four or five months to live. And this is set in 1998, where there's six months till Star Wars. Right, and they are the biggest Star Wars geeks ever. I mean, right. the van that Hutch drives—it actually has all the lights on the inside. You have to actually beat it to go. You know, like the hyperspace has never happened before. I don't know what's going on. They do. It's a very loving, loving homage to Star Wars. It's just like throughout. It's not even homage. It's just referencing everything from the fucking movie. You know, it's it, it's quite loving in that way. But um, so they got decided to break into Skywalker Ranch to see the to steal the rough cut and try and watch it before the movie comes out, so Linus can see it before he dies. Mm-hmm. And so it's a road trip movie, which with, is which is kind of a it's got this like downbeat ending throughout the whole. Yeah, you know it's coming. He's dying yeah. of cancer, and I mean I think there was issues during the production as well because studios wanted to remove the cancer storyline, just having about a group of guys. And actually having that in mind when I was watching it, it's only mentioned twice. Yeah. Maybe three times that yeah. he has that he is actually dying, and that's the reason for it. So it's like it easily it is easily cut outable. Yeah, but uh, along the way, hilarity obviously ensues. They accidentally swing by Iowa to um, beat up a load of Trekkies. Yep, uh, <laughs> as you the do. Head Trekkie played by Seth Rogen, who's actually unrecognizable without the beard and with just these massive fucking teeth in his movie. He plays like three characters in this movie. Seth Rogen actually, um, he's to me, he's like I'm. I'm, I'm getting really scared. Uh, there are two people that I'm scared for them. Yeah. There's Seth Rogen and there's Michael Sarah. I'm scared for these guys. Yeah, the yeah. reason I'm scared for them is because I like them. I, I think that they are very good. But they need to stress themselves. They a need bit. to do something different. Actually, Seth Rogen just needs to stop for a while. He's doing too much. Well, I want to see what funny he's people's in, like. Funny people might be a safe He's in everything, dude. I mean, it's like you're getting sick of him. Yeah. You are getting sick of him. Michael Sarah needs to just do something different. But I mean, judging by the youth and revolt trailer, it looks like that's going to happen. And if they are, you know, like, and depending on how faithful Scott Pilgrim is, yeah. that should happen as well. There, exactly. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so it might kick him up one whole notch. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. I hope so, man. Because like, fuck, I'm, that's the main reason Michael. I'm scared is because I so want Scott Pilgrim to be awesome. Yeah. And I don't want fucking Michael Sarah's typecasting bullshit to get to in the fuck way, it up. To fuck it up. You know what I mean? It's like Scott Pilgrim's awesome. They got it's got the best. The casting is awesome. The director, choice of director is awesome. It's got everything going for it. Don't get it fucked up because this do it right, do it son right. of a bitch just can't stop taking these I'm cool but I'm not really roles. Yeah. <laughs> He's got to stop. Anyway, back to your review. Sorry. So yeah, so what, uh, what was I doing? Oh, yeah, fanboys. Uh, so they got to get there and along the way they just run into 
joke after joke, Star Trek stereotype after Star Trek stereotype, because they are pure Star Wars nuts. They will not watch Star Trek. Although they do watch Stargate for some reason. Well, that's... It doesn't I, count. It doesn't count. <laughs> but this is, obviously, when they were making like, this... It's like Babylon 5. Yeah. <laughs> Oi! <laughs> you cannot go to Zahadun it's and like, live. It's like Farscape. It's a sub-genre. You're, you're a snob. It's a subgenre. Farscape rocks. It's a yeah, it does. It's a subgenre. Though. You're a subgenre. <laughs> Your mother's a subgenre. <laughs> Your mother's some subgenres. Cox in hell. <laughs> Back to the movie though. Uh, so yeah, they have hijinks and shoe, and along those hijinks, they get some awesome fucking cameos in this movie. You get Billy D. Williams playing a judge in a town they get arrested for. What they get arrested for again? Oh yeah, they actually. They, we, one of the guys is meeting up with Rogue Leader, his online dating uh, girlfriend. That's Jay Baruchel, and it turns out she's thirteen, and she's Harry Knowles' niece. And Harry Knowles turns up and like, oh my god, it's Harry Knowles. Man, a cool news. He's like, yeah, yeah. Which one of you guys is Windows? How do you know who we are? I'm Windows. It's you, the real Harry Knowles. Yeah, no, it's Ethan Supley. Oh right. Yeah, that, that, that's what surprised me. I was like, surprised why they actually because this would be a movie he'd more than be happy to be in. Mm. But they get Ethan Supley, and you can see it's Ethan Supley, and he just beats the shit out of you. You touch my, you go near my girl, my, my niece again. I'll beat the shit out because his online girlfriend. They're all at him. It's a dude. It's a fucking dude. But it's not. It's a thirteen-year-old. Yeah, that surprises me because, uh, like, I've seen Harry Knowles like cameo in a bunch of movies. What was like, the one we had the watering hose in? Uh, House next door. Was that one of the? Was it Spider Man? Yeah, yeah. Then he was also in. Um, uh, you saw his decapitated head in the remake of uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right, right. And he was also one of the teachers in uh, Robert Rodriguez's movie uh, The Faculty. Yes, he was, wasn't he? Yeah. But yeah, has Ethan Zupi plays Harry Knowles. Uh, the cameo, they just, it's, it's a cameo trip. I mean, they run into Carrie Fisher, Billy Dee Williams. Mark Hamill? Mark Hamill doesn't appear. That's odd. Because he'll say yes to anything for a paycheck. No, but he's always like, he's never had any issues with talking huh? about anything Star Wars related. No, he hasn't. And that's what's weird. I mean, the people they choose, it's kind of like it's odd. Because, I mean, you get, like, Danny Trejo as the chief. He's like, their band breaks down. Don't worry. The chief will fix it. Don't realize he is the chief. <laughs> he just, like... Do you always refer to yourself in the third person? Yes, the chief always does. It's it's complicated for people who aren't the chief. But he gets them fucked up on peyote, and they have, like, a fucking mad hyperspace dream. It's been a... Dude, I have to do that at least once in my life. <laughs> I need to go to the desert and have peyote with and, Danny Trejo and have and have pay, and have peyote with somebody. Danny Trejo would be good. I'd love to have a young guns trip. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off! It's like, hey dog, did you see the size of that chicken? <laughs> <laughs> We're in the spirit world, asshole. You can't see us. <laughs> but this is if you like Star Wars, you'll kind of like this movie. It's not biting anyway. The only bite they get in it is somewhere near the end when they're like, "Well, what if the movie sucks?" Which it did. Which it did. And they homage that, because this movie was only made last year. It wasn't made in 1998. Uh, they homage that with, you know, Seth Rogen. One of his characters is a pimp who has, like, Star Wars tattoos all over him. So they distract him by talking about that. And he turns around and pulls up his shirt. And there's a picture of Jar Jar and Anakin. He's like, this movie's going to rock! <laughs> uh, I, re- I remember the uh, I remember the opening day of that movie. Yeah. Like, like it was yesterday. At the Century 21. I think I blanked it. At the Century 21 on Winchester in San Jose, it was a it was a breezy May afternoon, and it was a very cold May af- May, May May evening. <laughs> it was a morning with a forecast of disappointment, with scattered showers of depression. To be to be in, I mean, this is a huge fucking theater. Uh, the Century 21, it was their big place. They had Century 21, 22, 23, 24. Really? And 
and they were all next to each other. Yeah. And the twenty one was the only screen that it was the only was the only one that only showed one movie because the whole building is just the one screen. Yeah, uh, it's the only cinema screen and visible from space. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and uh, I mean, so I have no idea how many how what 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 the capacity for this place was, but it was jam packed to the gills, and it was so bizarre to be in the audience and like about twenty minutes into the movie. Feel everybody just the, go. The audience just deflate like a yeah. bad souffle. Just, just to have everything just go like, oh god, it actually is gonna suck. <laughs> and they stay away from that. I mean, there's just a lot of knowing, knowing nods. There's you know nods to the trash compactor. The trash compactor in Skywalker Ranch looks like the trash compactor from Star Wars, from the from the Death Star. You have like Ray Park turns up. Uh, Danny McBride turns up as the head of security at Skywalker Ranch and just has a great little role there, just like taking the piss out of them and beating them up. I'd be very interested to hear, like, if there's any, like, uh, you know, like, behind-the-scenes stuff or commentary footage, or, or just to just to know just how much cooperation they actually did have. Yeah, because I mean, I don't know whether they had some cooperation because it, lo- it, it looks like a Skywalker ranch. I mean, there's like a, a trophy room full of all the Star Wars. I think shit they actually the did shoot there. I remember reading somewhere that I think they mm. actually did shoot. shoot and if they did, then it's fucked up. I kept expecting the Darth Vader statue in the middle to come alive and be like, you know, a security guard. <laughs> George Lucas has just reached that point now where he just doesn't give a fuck anymore, you know? I mean, he's accepted the fact that he, his creation has spawned this race of freaks. Yeah, it's Frankenstein. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, enjoyable? Yeah, it is enjoyable. It's more of a loving kind of comedy. Like, it's not really any satirical laughs. Some of it is most... A lot of it is the, is the cameos, just seeing people you know and seeing Jay and Silent Bob turn up is great. And it's... A chucklesome movie. I'd, I'd recommend it for a nice, relaxing evening. Nothing. Don't don't cancel your wedding plans for this movie. Just let it roll. But would you? I mean, would you recommend this to to uh, people who aren't necessarily big on Star Wars? Maybe not so much. I mean, you do need. I mean, you need to know the knowing nods. The fact that the guy is constant. I mean, they're not knowing nods. We know about them. Do they? They're not. They're jokes. It is a niche us. film. Yeah. It is very much. You know, the guy who's going around constantly telling girls that you want to take off your top. The whole movie is one big in joke. Yes, pretty much. Basically, okay. But the, the, the cast, the cast are good, and everything, and everything rolls along at a nice pace. And there's a few, uh, they throw a few spanners in the works, and William Shatner turns up. Awesome. That's all you need to know. It's a Shatner Shat- fest. It's a Shatner fest. So um, go see that. Speaking of William Shatner, for those of you who um, haven't haven't seen uh, William Shatner perform uh, Sarah Palin's. Um, Departing address to the nation. I heard it, but we didn't get a chance to see it. Um, then I highly recommend that you download that shit. Uh, just YouTube it. Just type it under William Shatner uh, reads Sarah Palin on the Tonight Show. It's fucking funny. It really makes this woman out to be a complete fucking retard. Which she is. Which she is. But it, it. We needed the shat to just drive it home. You gave me the roast, didn't you? I uh, just said yeah I, we tried watching that it's fucking hard watching it's just like hey you're uh, getting old and you're gonna die and let's make some jokes at you at your expense totally while you're forced to sit here in front of a crowd of all your peers and endure this crap but that's that's what the roast is it's- I know but it's it's hard I couldn't we couldn't watch the whole thing I was laughing my ass off I was just like maybe yeah. that's because I am a sadistic son of a bitch yeah I mean you were just laughing at that <laughs> squirm Shatner squirm I mean, what's her name? Rose from the Golden Girls? Seeing her cousin fucking... Oh, Jesus Christ. No, that was awesome. You I don't like know. No, no, I was getting uncomfortable. Rose doesn't talk like that. This Rose is your, White. This is your Irish farm boy fucking thing coming out where you can't... Fuck ha- you. Where you can't handle the shit. I can handle this shit. You can't handle real Americana. <laughs> it's chintzy and it's kitschy and it's odd. 
It's Americana. <laughs> that's why. That's why I just gave you the definition. Yeah. But it wasn't that funny. You did uh, the first bit. I mean, Rose White was just like Betty White. Betty White, whatever. Rose. She's always been Rose to me. Rose White. I always had a crush on Sophia. <laughs> the grandma. <laughs> I mean, there's going for older chicks, Gavin. That's fair enough. But no, there's going I, for the oldest chick. No, but, is ridiculous. No, but when you're watching a sitcom that consists only of old women, you have to choose. You thought the small hobbit-like woman with no visible physical female attributes was the sexy one? You're so wrong. I liked her. I I, I connected with her personality. <laughs> Estella Getty has an awesome personality. I remember that episode, like where where Rose she's supposed to be doing some assignment, yeah. so she's taping everything, right? She's got like this video, uh, like this um, video camera with her, All right? And like. Um, What's um like uh, Dorothy? Dorothy, that's right. Dorothy is like you know, like we're getting up in the morning. Hey, Rose, and then uh, Sophie, Sophia comes out with uh, with lasagna and meat sauce, right? <laughs> you know, and she's like, ah, my my dearest daughter takes her, kisses her. <laughs> mommy is here, and mommy has made you your favorite breakfast. And then Dorothy goes, lasagna and meat sauce. <laughs> you know, and then she's like, that's right. And she looks in the camera and just think. For seven ninety nine, the recipe can be yours. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen that one. <laughs> Fucking golden girls. Fucking golden girls, dude. That's brilliant. Oh, but your review, my friend. Okay, um, I saw uh, the boat that rocked, the uh, latest film by uh, Richard Curtis. Uh, this movie, it's about. Um, it takes place in the sixties, nineteen sixty six. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Um, as the movie will tell you, this was the golden era of uh, British pop and rock mm-hmm. um, but however at the time BBC Radio only played 45 minutes of pop music a day yeah um, however it's BBC it's got a rail against the system that's right um, however uh, pirate radios uh, that um, that uh, anchored in the North Sea they would play they, they, they basically played pop Pop and rock music. They were playing. They were playing the devil's music all the time. Twenty-four hours a day. I think one of the most famous ones is Radio Caroline. I mean, some of this stuff is. I think someone tried to get a Radio Caroline movie off the off the ground, but it was it's not happening. But I mean, this takes from Radio Caroline, Radio yep. Europe. I think was yep. the other one. Yep. Quite a bit of it. I mean, they and they call they call themselves Radio Radio Rock. Yeah. The um, the the Rock of Boston. The the pirate radio ship that uh, this movie centers on is called Radio Rock, and it's. Um, it's run by this guy Quentin, who's played by Bill Nye, who's awesome. always good value. Uh, the uh, the head de- the head uh, DJ is this guy called the Count, who's played by Philip Seymour Hoffman. Nice, he's very fun. Uh, Doctor mm. Dave, played by Nick Frost. Uh, Sans Simon Pegg. <laughs> yep, they're not actually joined the hip unless they're just you know digitally removed. Mm-hmm. Simon Pegg. Then there's another guy, uh, um, Angus the Nut Nutsford. <laughs> Who's played by Reese Darby? Uh, the um, he's uh, Flight of the Concords. He's their manager, Murray. Murray, yeah. He's and he's just he's playing Murray, dude. I mean, <laughs> I mean, out of all of them, he's the one that can never get laid. He's the one that can never get like you know. Um, Does he have the New Zealand accent? Yes, oh, he's, really? got, he's got he's got New Zealand. He's fucking funny. Huh? Um, uh, this is a guy, Midnight Mark, played by Tom Wisdom. Midnight Mark is the guy who just gets laid all the time. Right. And he never speaks. <laughs> How's he do a radio show? That's just it. It's like, it's like his radio show starts like, Hi. Hey, 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 this is Midnight Mark. Hi. 
And that's it. And that's it. That's all you ever <laughs> that, hear. That's all he ever does. And like, he's the one who's always getting all like uh, all the group sex and everything. And then there's another guy, um, uh, Bob Silver, the Dawn Treader, who's played by Ralph Brown. Who's Ralph Brown? He's, Enlighten me. Oh my God, I'm a, I'm ashamed for you right now. Ralph Brown doesn't ring any bells. Okay, um, maybe this might. Don't talk that way to me, my friend. Or I'll medicine you and you'll think... Oh, that's Ralph Brown! <laughs> Danny. Danny. Also the roadie from Wayne's World. Yeah. Danny from uh, With Null and I. He hasn't been in that much stuff apart from With Null and I for me to remember his actual name apart from Danny. Connecting you to fanboys, he was in The Phantom Menace. Was he? Yeah, he was one of the pilots in The Phantom Menace. Oh, he was the yeah, yeah, Captain yeah, yeah. Ubing. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was the guy who drove Amidala's pimp ride. Yeah. He was also in Alien 3. He was, actually. He, he was He was 87. He was 87, because that was his IQ. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I just, again, I didn't really associate that with him, because that guy had hair. But, uh, yeah, so it's like all of these guys, they're all, and, uh, and uh, Chris O'Dowd from the IT crowd. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, he's in it. He plays Simple Simon Swafford. And um, who's their entry point character? Who plays the guy? Because I know it's about a, a guy joining them, right? Yeah, um, it's uh, played by this guy. His name's Tom Storage. He plays this guy's name's Carl, and uh, he has just been expelled from school uh, for um, for smoking. Right. And so his mom sends him to the ship, and it's really it's really like basically to teach him a lesson, like get some sea air. Yeah. And uh, his first scene is with Bill Nye. And it's a very funny scene where, where he's like, uh, "Oh, Carl, my, you know, like Bill Nye when he's playing the Richard Curtis type role, he's was just he doing the, the the eyes moving and the head moves? Uh, no, I didn't do that. No, but That's his thing. but but he was doing that, but it, with his with his it, because it's a rock and roll movie, it's like it was more with his hips. It's like than, than eyes turn, head turn, yeah. swagger. Yeah, 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 pretty much, you know. And so he's like, "Oh, Carl, my favorite godson." Have we met before? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, no, I don't think so. You know, and he's like, um, and he's like, oh, so, uh, expelled, huh? Yes. What for? Smoking. Huh. Drugs or cigarettes? Uh, both, actually. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> so your mother... more. Well done. So your mother sent you, so your mother sent you, sent you here, so thinking that the sea air would, sh- you know, like, shake you up, is it? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Spectacular mistake. <laughs> I mean, it does have that Richard... I'm seeing him seeing it now. Your accent's atrocious, but yeah. My accent is atrocious. It's, but that's not know, the way Bill Nye talks. No, it's not the way Bill Nye talks. And you know why that's not the way Bill Nye talks? Because I'm not Bill Nye. Bill Nye. Really? Yeah. I live in Malaysia. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hurt me. <laughs> if I was Bill Nye, uh, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> Sparrow! I'd be on the set of Underworld 7. <laughs> but, uh... And, um... And, uh... So it's, more plot. Yeah, so more plot. And so... And, but, but really, that's basically the plot. Is that Carl gets sent there. Yeah. And it's really just sort of about... He gets crazy, baby. Yes and no. I mean, it's, it's kind of... I mean, like, the whole movie has all of that snap, crackle, and pop Richard Curtis dialogue. Yeah. Richard Curtis is a very good writer. He's a much better writer than he is a director. Director, that's what I've heard. About this you know, movie. I mean, when when this when you like, uh, I don't want to give too much away about the plot because there really isn't that much of a plot. What I've said is really all you really need to know to give to to tell you anything else would give away things that aren't really surprises anyway. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's like there are some really really funny moments in it. I mean, some parts of it really had me cracking up, and Kenneth Branagh is obviously having 
a ball. He's the he's the Nazi. He's the Nazi who's trying to shut them down. Yeah, he's trying to shut them down. He he's um, Sir Alistair Dormandy, <laughs> and uh, he has got he looks like he's having so much fun. A whale of a time. Yeah, I mean, just playing a prick, uh, and um, like there's one <laughs> there's he's got actually one of my favorite bits of dialogue is actually his where he's in this uh, meeting where he's like yes yes good morning 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 morning. Uh, what do we have here? Ah, pirate radio. Ah, good, 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 good. <laughs> you know, and then it's like, yes, we're going to shut them down, and all that kind of thing. And then one guy who's obviously new, you know, he's like, uh, uh, but uh, technically, sir, they're not really doing anything outside of the law. You know, and then Kenneth Brown is like, well, they certainly will be. <laughs> you know, Mr. And he looks at this guy and like, Fredericks, Fredericks. Yes, yes. You know, well, let me tell you something, Mr. Looks at the other guy, Fredericks, Fredericks. You know, and this is, this is a brilliant line. It's like, uh, you know, blah 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 blah, uh, and something else that I'd like to work on. I think it's about time that we work on new uh, legislation against your haircut. <laughs> you know, and then the guy's like, uh, "You don't like it?" And Kenneth Branagh's like, "Nobody likes it. <laughs> Nobody likes it. It's atrocious. The only people I can imagine that would like it are blind people, and even they, I'm sure, would be able to sense its profound ugliness as they walk past you. <laughs> but nice. it's just, but it's just the way that he says it. It's just brilliant. Um, and." There's this whole thing, like, that's the subplot, is that Kenneth Branagh is the, uh, the guy in the BBC who's trying to shut them down. Yeah. And the big problem with this movie is that it's at, it suffers from exactly the same thing that Richard Curtis's last outing as a director suffers from, which was Love Actually, uh, is that it's just too fucking long. That's what I had he, heard. I had heard it's bloated. It's like he needs to meet up with Roger Corman and learn how to edit. Yeah, he really needs to. I mean, but it's 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 a really bizarre thing, you know. I mean, I have seen movies where I've that have been too long. Yeah, you know, and uh, like for example, uh, Peter Jackson's King Kong remake. You know, it was way too fucking long. Having said that, great film, just too fucking long. Yeah. Um, and when I was, and if I take time to think about how they could have shortened it. There are bits you can take out of every section of the movie. Yeah. You know, it's like, like the book scene that actually was taken out of the original movie. Yeah, it's like you know, you, okay, you can take twenty minutes out of the first act. You can take thirty minutes out of the second act. You can take, you know, like fifteen minutes out of the third act, and you know, fucking. Gangbusters, like, you're done. Yeah, you know, th- there you go. Whereas with this one, it's it's a very unique experience in the sense that the movie ends beautifully. Yeah. About 91, 92 minutes into it. Yeah. It's like, if the movie had ended there, it, it wouldn't have been perfect, but it would have been a logical conclusion and it would have been satisfying. Yeah. But no, it goes on. For how long? It goes on for another half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> it goes on for, an, like, roughly, including end credits, which are fucking long, <laughs> um, about another half an hour. So it's like... It's like that feeling of like uh, it's like the only way. Are we done? Oh, we're not done. Oh, okay. It's like it's like that thing of like uh, you know like when when you have someone over just for sex and after the sex they refuse to leave for half an hour. <laughs> you know, good analogy. You know, it, it's like that. I mean, it's like that level of discomfort. Yeah. You know, like uh, if you parallel it with a movie going experience. Did you watch this in bed? Huh? <laughs> no. <laughs> No. No. <laughs> um, you watch it in the kitchen where you also have sex. No, no. Or not people to leave. No, 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 no. I have a townhouse. There. The kitchen and the living room are kind of connected. Oh, okay. <laughs> but uh, no, I no, I did not have sex while watching this movie. Good to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I mean, if I, so should we just hit the ninety minutes? Is it Alien Resurrection? You just like leave when the newborn enters? It, I mean, I think I think you could. Um, but what I would recommend if you have it on DVD is uh, to do that. 
uh, and then the next day, watch the last half an hour. Because the last half an hour is not bad. Yeah. It's, it's, you just don't need it. It's just unnecessary. It's just unnecessary. It's actually, it, well, because like the end, if you want to talk about the end, it's like, it looks like um, it's going to be something, I mean, like, because it does, the, the stakes do get quite high towards the end, you mm-hmm. know, and there is genuine risk. When you see the film, you, you'll know what I mean, is that there's, there's a genuine threat at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. And... If they can just pull off this one last heist. You know, if, like, if, if like, uh, things could end very, very badly. And, uh, you know, I mean, and there, it doesn't look like, it's go- like, it's go- you know, like things are going to turn out well. But in the back of your mind, you know it's Richard Curtis. Yeah. And so you know it will turn out well. Uh, the kid with the drum kit will meet the girl. Yeah. But it's just like, you know, it's like it, it, it's, it, it, go, it goes to, it, it takes so much effort. It goes to so much effort to building up these high stakes visually and emotionally and all of that uh, and with such heavy handedness that you wish they had seen it through to the end ah. you wish that like okay if this is really what you want to do then you really so they pussied out in the second they pussied out at the very very end and went the complete opposite direction and didn't just give you a happy ending but gave you an ecstatic ending an ecstatic fucking unbelievably like you know rainbows like, and lollipops you know it's like uh, it's it's the Jesus having an orgasm type of happy ending, you know. <laughs> you think if Jesus had an orgasm, would he say God or Dad? Because if he said Dad, that's kind of fucked up. He'd say, "Call me Donnie." Who's your favorite new kid? <laughs> don't let me get, don't let me get loose. So, would you recommend this? Or I mean, I would. Re- I mean, I would recommend it. It's definitely worth a watch. Mm-hmm. It's by no means a bad film. Yeah. And if you has are- Nick Frost. Nick Frost, I found him a little underwhelming. Really. Yeah, I mean, I Come enjoy- on, Mike, raise your game. I enjoyed all of the performances in this. Um, it's nice to see Philip Seymour Hoffman having some fun. Um, when you when you watch this movie, you are reminded that this is the guy who, before became an Oscar winner, was the guy from Twister and Scent of a Woman. <laughs> you know, I mean, this guy's played his fair share of wild pricks. Yeah. Um, before he became, you know, you know, Capote. You know, but um, he's having a good time in this, and he's very good. Um, Kenneth Branagh is having a whale of a time Bill Nye is having a, I mean er, all of the actors are having fun mm. that is very clear and, and that, that translates into and that fun for really you. really does help you with the film is that they, the actors sell it um, uh, Nick, Nick Frost is not bad it's not to say he's bad it's just that he's not Mike you know it's like when you watch him in space he steals every scene he's in yeah. and he does not steal any scenes he's in here so we get a bit like intimidated by the acting yeah, caliber he's working with. Um, Risa Fons has the has the most showy role. You he skipped over him. Actually, he plays he plays Gavin Kavanaugh. Is he another cock? He's a cock. <laughs> but he's a but he's a lovable cock. He's a lovable cock. He's basically a nicer version of Eyeball Paul, the character he played in Kevin and Perry. Gotcha. You know, it's like same kind of swagger, but with a heart. Yeah. You know, but Eyeball he's. Paul. Eyeball Paul. What was it? Mrs. Patterson. Oh, Mrs. Patterson. Mrs. Patterson. Mrs. Patterson. Oh, Mrs. Patterson. Can I have a ham, have a jam sandwich, please? <laughs> I only, I think I mentioned it before. I think it was only last year I watched. Kevin. You gave me Kevin and Perry yeah, go yeah. large. Yeah, yeah. No, we watched it in my place. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's right. That was fucked up. <laughs> I can't believe I've gone so long without seeing that movie. Uh, eyeball Paul. <laughs> but um, but like he's got. <laughs> He's got the, like when he's on the air because like his his backstory is that a few years a few years prior he left uh, to go DJ in America uh-huh. and has since become the most popular DJ 
on Earth. Oh, okay. So he is Eyeball Paul yeah. in that sense. He is, and he comes back. I don't remember Ames. Because Kenneth Branagh, um, the government, they try to rip the advertising funding. And so he comes back, brings back the advertising. So he kind of helps them out. Yeah. But when he's on, when he's like on air, when he's broadcasting, the shit that he says, it's like all risque, and it's like, fuck, I wish only we could get away saying this shit on the air now. <laughs> you know, it's like, he's just like all like, uh, like very much like Eyeball Paul, you know, like... Where we can with the internet, no one cares. You know, but he's just like, you know, it's like, now this is going to make you moist, and he puts on a song, right? You know, and then like, just before he signs off, you're like, you know, think of me when you come. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And it's just really, really cool. Really nice, really nice role, and he plays it very, very well. Um, but uh, yeah, and also, um, I can't remember um, her name. I think it's uh, Catherine Hendrickson. I think uh, she's also in um, another one of the IT crowd. Oh yeah. Uh, what? She's the bird. Yeah, the bird in the, the oh. IT crowd. Uh, she she plays um, Felicity, the uh, the boat's cook, the ship's cook. The love interest. Uh, no, she's a lesbian. Oh, excellent. <laughs> she's a lesbian. She has really good fun. She's good fun. Catherine Parkinson, that's right. Parkinson. That's right. But, um, I mean, when the movie works, it works very well. I mean, I haven't really told you much about plot because what I've said really does... There's not enough to it. You said that, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it really is sort of about the whole experience that this guy has being in, being on this boat with all of these characters. And uh, there are some nice... There's a, the thing about Richard Curtis's writing, there's a lot of nice character quirks. Um, all of the characters are very clearly defined. You know, it's like, uh, you know, you do fall in stereotypes to a bit, but nobody feels like a cardboard cutout. Cool. And that is something about it that keeps you with it, is that when it gets to this high-stakes ending, you do like these guys, you know? I mean, these are good actors. They yeah. know how to get you on their side. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's not to say you don't like the characters. You do like the characters. It's just that the movie itself, there's not enough there to sustain that extra half an hour. Yeah. And you'll know exactly what I'm... If, for those of you who see the movie, you will know the exact point in which I mean. Because it actually has... You know, like, when this moment comes, like that 91, 92-minute mark, it goes back to the same montage as the opening credits. Oh, really? Yeah. So you actually do think it's going to end. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like, things have happened. You know, it's like, you know, like, enough of the It's plot. a logical end. It is, it is a logical end. So, and when it doesn't, that, you know, that's all the more that you feel like, huh, huh, huh? Because when that moment comes, it really does feel like that, that's going to be the end of the movie. Yeah. And when it goes on for another half an hour, it's like, it's like it, it feels like two hours. You know what I mean? When, that, yeah, yeah. when, when a movie has gone on past it. It's the like, Lord of the Rings effect. Yeah. For Lord, more Lord, endings? Lord of the Rings for the second time effect. Yeah. The first time, you don't really like it. Oh, no, there is a lot of fucking endings. There are a lot of fucking endings. But I didn't mind because there are that many things to tie up. That's true. It's only the second time you see it where you're like, uh, okay, okay. I would have ended it there. I would have ended it there. And there. And there. And and there. there. Maybe not not so much here. Still another half an hour to go. But there. (laughs) But yeah, so it's like... I, 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 would, I, I would say it's worth a watch I mean I wouldn't go so far as to say I recommend this movie but it's definitely worth a watch particularly if you do like mov- like movies that he's done in the past yeah cool another one I saw which is slightly outside a normal window of opportunity was Confessions of a Shopaholic <laughs> yep yeah so I saw this uh, recently kind of avoid on release I mean if I want to go to the cinema I want to see something in widescreen with explosions Michael Bay, where's my man? Give me high. Don't leave me hanging. 
So, um, Tom Never mind. Um, so, the story of Is the Fisher who just loves to shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does come off as a very little bit like a Sex and the City kind of thing, but it doesn't quite go that route. Um, it's based on a book by Sophia Kinsellas, Confessions of a Shopaholic, and Shopaholic Takes Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> like the Muppets. But, um, I mean, I wasn't looking forward to this movie. I just watched it because I wanted to see what the fuck it was about. And it actually, it, it, for a chick flick, it's a good flick. It's it a good film for a chick flick. She's got a shopaholic. She starts the movie with, like, I think it's 16,000 US dollars in debt. Her job, she's lost her job. Mm-hmm. She goes to this interview with this company, and uh, the job that she wants at the fashion magazine, which would be her pride and joy, her goal in life, mm-hmm. is already been taken. But they also have another role in the... Was it Safely Investing magazine? Mm-hmm. Which she knows nothing about. But she will go for there because it's a company of... Um, it's comp- you know They have different magazines and you can get from one to the other. And the guy explaining that is genius. Some of the, the visual style for this movie is very nice. Like when he's talking about the, 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 the abilities... Well, we, uh-huh. I'm sorry the interview's closed. We could do another one because you're out of face. You can, work through the factory, you can work through the family of magazines and he's, he just pushes back in his chair and you don't realise that the, the thing behind him Mm-hmm. is like all the listings of the companies in the building and it's like the, the investment one is lower down and the fashion one is lower up and he's like it's a stairs and it's literally it's a stairs you know what I mean mm-hmm. so they do illustrate an awful lot of stuff like that that is just really very well visualized I mean when she walks past stores the mannequins come to life and beckon to her with the clothes mm-hmm. so she goes to work for this magazine and she doesn't she, she doesn't go for, work for it straight away she's a little bit of a hiccup where she walks in and she knows fucking nothing about financials She's like, oh, have you heard about the, looks in her handbag, U.S. fish crisis? Because all she got is F-I-S. And it's like, no, it's the fiscal crisis. She fucks off this guy. She goes home, uh, gets wasted, mm-hmm. writes two letters. One, which is like, why shoes are an investment for the, man, the, the, the owner of the fashion magazine. Mm-hmm. And one is like about how horrible your style is and I hate you to the guy from the business magazine. And of course, because they've been drinking tequila all night, they're switched. <laughs> and he actually I like it I like what you wrote you talked about shoes and investment you made clothes and shopping equate to financial information mm-hmm. and that's actually worked really well and so he hires her to do that on a part time basis so she gets to know him obviously love Blossom mm-hmm. as it does as it does but along the way we get some great actors in there uh, John Lithgow was the owner of the company he just turns up and is like nice John Lithgow. <laughs> John Lithgow I love him John Goodman turns up as her dad uh-huh, yeah. With John Cusick as her mum. John, Cus- uh, John, John, John Cusick. John, John Goodman seems to like, uh, be under... Because this is a Bruckheimer production, right? I'm not 100% yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. It is I th- freaked out when, I was, when, he, when he turned up because he's down from Roseanne. Yeah, it is a... He's, he's, he's shaven. He's like... I think the last couple of movies I've seen him in, he always has some facial hair. He's shaven. He's wearing the same kind of gingham shirt. And he sits in a fucking lazy boy. And it's just like... It's Dan from Roseanne. Why are you married to her? What happened to Roseanne? What happened to you guys? When did you have time for a kid? What's going on? No, but uh, he's good though. Confessions of a Shopaholic is a Bruckheimer production. Oh, really? Yeah, and uh, it feels like every time Bruckheimer does a chick flick, <coughs> every time Bruckheimer does a chick flick, yeah. John Goodman is contractually obliged to, to, play, to play someone's dad because he did the exact same thing in uh, Coyote Ugly. Yeah, yeah. Which was also a Bruckheimer production, played the lead chick's dad. Yeah, yeah. And he and he's cool. I mean, it, it, this is one of the things. It's a. As I say, you can get like it's like sci-fi used to be the the ghetto for movies and books and whatever. Mm-hmm. Chick flicks are the ghetto now. I mean, you look at what we have in the cinema at the moment. You've got The Ugly Truth. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, what's the other ones? Uh, the Proposal. Mm-hmm. By all accounts, mm-hmm. drivel. Yeah. Not even like good drivel. Just like 
so bad it's bad. Yeah. And yet, so for me, this had a real expectation breaker because it's like, okay, I'll watch this, it'll be fine. It's actually... Isla Fisher is genius I, at physical comedy. I like Isla Fisher. I mean, like even in Wedding Crashers, I could tell that you know, like this is a this is a very funny chick. Oh, you want to take you want to take it back? I loved her in Home and Away. Home and Away. Oh shit. Home and Away. Original gangster. <laughs> That's what all the cool people moved on to in the uh, UK and Ireland when neighbors got passé. Let's go to the coffee shop. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's Kylie the, Minogue was on Neighbors. Yeah, no, so was Jason Donovan. So was Guy fucking Pierce. He was Mike, the paint. I think. Where, I think. I, I think it was Russell Brand. I heard him interviewing um, uh, Guy Pierce, and like, he's like, yes, you've done Memento. You've done all these movies. You're a big Hollywood actor. You're LA Confidential. Do you mind if I call you Mike from Neighbors? <laughs> <laughs> and in the whole interview, calling him Mike. What did Guy Pierce do? Guy Pierce is like Mike the Painter or something, and I think he died or disappeared or something. He didn't. He wasn't one of those recurring ones who couldn't get anything else. No, no. But, but but how did Guy Pierce react? He to took it. it. He went with it. He was like, "Yeah, fucking mate, it's great. It's all right." <laughs> Champagne. Champagne. But I mean, she got to. She's got to come to terms with her addiction, hit rock bottom, and have her entire life explode before she can put her shit together. And that's quite cool, actually. It's quite interesting in the places it goes and what goes on goes on there. Um. Hitting Rock Bottom is great. Um, she's just funny. The cast around her. Uh, there's a girl called Kristen Ritter who's mm-hmm. basically playing Zoe the Channel in this movie. Any relation to John Ritter? I don't know. I didn't see that. But she's basically playing Zoe the Channel. You know, okay. she's got that kind of white haircut, wide-eyed sort of kooky, kooky chick. chick. Yeah. Going on, she's her flatmate. She's kind of cool. It's like it's like freak chic. <laughs> now that you mentioned that, what Jerry Brookheimer produced it, it's like makes sense in some of the bits because to as I said to show her addiction yeah. when she walks past they have these faceless mannequins everywhere they just have like you know they just a mouth yeah. they talk to her they beckon towards her it's kind of freaky to start with but then you kind of like get this is how it appears to her because she buys to make herself feel better mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's only when life starts making her feel better she gets through that but a lot of hijinks and shoe along the way cool um, I'd highly recommend watching it it's, it's pretty funny I mean there's a guy she owes this money and she's been bailing this guy she has a they have a notepad of all the debtors she has to avoid mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and trying to avoid those guys is Derek Smeed Derek Smeed who works from the city debt collection agency and he is Mr. Incredible's boss just taller <laughs> he's the new Rick Moranis he's got like he, he, Mr. Incredible's boss you know from the yeah, beginning yeah, yeah. bits he's got the like the horn rim glasses the same comb over the pointy nose that kind of he looks just like him and he's the nemesis in the movie obviously he's tracking her down she works for a financial magazine and she's massively in debt right but uh, yeah Isla Fisher in this she's very funny very very funny I would highly recommend it to watch it just for her just it's again don't expect you know second coming but her, her, her comedy is great she's a nutbag she's one of those nutbag lovable characters mm-hmm. but Isla Fisher can pull that off I think she did in Wedding Crashes as well I mean she was complete fucking insane in that Yep. No, I really liked her in that. Yeah. <laughs> I was saying. <laughs> so yeah, um, go see. Yeah, watch it. Watch it with your girlfriend. She'll love it. Yeah, I mean, like it's not to say like we got nothing against chick flicks. You know, I mean, it's like it's a- just that they are at the moment they are the lowest common denominator. There's no fucking way in hell I'm going to go see the proposal just because the word I've heard about it is that it's pants. Well, it's it's not just that. It's I mean, a soiled it's, pair of baggy pants. It's not just that. I mean, it's like it's not, not nothing so much to do with the, with, with the fact that it's a chick flick. It's, it's just I, a bad I, film. I, That's what yeah, I'm talking. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's whether it's a good movie or a bad yeah. movie, and also, you know, like some certain chick flick franchises, you know, just have a tendency these days to just want to 
hits you over the head, you know, like, and that just turns you off. It's like fucking Twilight. Twilight could be a masterpiece for all I know. I'll never know because the fucking Twilight fans make me not want to see it. It's all right. You know, <laughs> you, you like it. And, you know, it's like... Bella needs a slap. Bella needs a slap? Bella needs a slap. Bella needs cock. Apparently, well, yeah. Well, she can't because he might eat her. <laughs> That's it. That's it, seriously. It's like, I can't get too excited. Why? I might eat you. Okay, then. You don't want to have sex then. Okay, then. No, but she does kind of have this fucking face where it's just like... Oh, no, you, you, you haven't heard about the books, man. The books go insanely fucked up. I think the second book, the vampires don't turn up for most of it. Mm-hmm. She just sits around moping for three quarters of the book. Well, she is in high school. I know, but that's, it's like... That's generally what It's massively do. emo. It's like that 20-minute section of our Spider-Man mm-hmm. for the whole movie. Lots of going to do in the second one. Hopefully the, the werewolves will make it amp it up a little bit, but she does actually just bitch about a lot of crap and moan and, like, beg fucking this dude. We talked to you before. It's, yeah, the, yeah, it's, yeah. The, it's the, like, you know, it's the self-help guy. Do everything the opposite of Bella to avoid a rapist. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is a dangerous boy. He's dangerous because he can rip your fucking jugular and kill you. Mm. Equate that to, you know, rapist in high school. Stay away from the redneck. You know, relationships that start, that start based on intense situations never work out. We can try. Caught my first tube this morning. <laughs> Zero distortion, sir. I love these things. Okay. Yeah, you had another capsule review today, didn't you? No. One less? Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, fucking, um, what was it? Yeah, this is going to be really, really quick. I saw this movie called Hooking Up. Uh-huh. I saw this movie, so none of you people have to. This movie is god awful. I saw it. Fries, your shield of crap. I saw this movie because of uh, the three the three uh, main actors in it, and they're not even the main characters in it. They're just like the three main names in it. But the first one was Corey Feldman. The second one was Brian O'Halloran, who's Dante from, from, Clerks. from Clerks, and the third was Bronson Pinchot, who is um, Serge from uh, Beverly Hills Cop. That gay, that that gay art arms dealer, art 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 dealer. He's an arms dealer in the third one, isn't he? No, he's an art. But uh, and he was also in the sitcom Perfect Strangers, and he was also in True Romance. Balky, Balky, yeah, <laughs> Balky. Oh, fuck. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> Perfect Strangers is terrible. I don't even know what this movie's really about because I chapter skipped through most of it because it was just that fucking bad. But it's. It's uh, worth watching for one moment in it and one moment only. It's this year. It's this season's uh, Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. Yes, yes. Holy yes. shit! Yeah, we didn't review that. No, uh, we didn't. We didn't, but we should. No, we did. Did we? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. The, we, oh, shit. Yeah. Mm. Short-term memory, not good. Yeah. Drugs. Mm. Uh, so, um, and <laughs> so this scene is that uh, it takes place in the school. Um, Brian O'Halloran uh, is the um, principal. And uh, his daughter wants to fuck Bronson Pinchot, who's a teacher in the school. And Corey Feldman is basically just just a fucking asshole who uh, just... He's basically playing this 26-year-old guy who likes to fuck underage chicks. So that was far, Corey Feldman. So far, so funny. Huh? That was Corey Feldman, you said, was that? Yeah. Oh. So, so like, uh, yeah, so far, so funny, of which the movie isn't. Um, but there's one scene... That made me laugh in shame and embarrassment for Brian O'Halloran. Uh, Brian O'Halloran has this scene with his daughter and his uh, wife, and they're playing Scrabble. 
and his daughter comes up with this uh, word that's uh, a high score word. And then uh, after that, she's like calculating it up, and she goes, "Okay, that's thirty-seven points." And Brian, and they cut to Brian O'Halloran, and Brian O'Halloran just goes, thirty-seven. Nice. Yeah. And I said it to clerks. Yeah. If you're a clerks fan, you'll know exactly what that means. It's if, thirty-seven versus the twelve. Yeah. The apostles. <laughs> if you're not a clerks fan, then you have no interest watching this movie at all. I'm making I'm making the hand gesture of over the head. Over the going head. over my head. It's over the head. And sad. But yeah, shit movie? Shit movie. Don't, don't see that, it. That's my review. Don't it's, see it. Don't see this fucking movie. Don't see this fucking movie. It is not even worth rental. I think I have another one for that as well. I saw a trailer for Stan Helsing. Because oh, yeah. when evil arises, they say that Van Helsing will, you know, combat it. And it's Van Helsing, Van Helsing, Van Helsing. No, 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 no. Stan Helsing. But what's worse about this movie is not just a bad vampire movie... It's all the horror movie icons. It's Freddy, Jason. Oh, yeah? All these guys. And, like, Freddy has a giant hand at one point, just slapping people in the face as opposed to stabbing them. It just looks horrible. Is it? Is it Robert England? No. Oh, thank God. Yeah, it's just some wackos, and it just looks fucking... It's, it's from the people who brought you scary movie. One of the guys who brought you scary movie. So, I mean, if the quality they could achieve together is scary movie, this is way below that. It's been so long since I've seen a really good spoof. Yeah. I mean... They're hard to do. They're hard to do. They're hard to do, you know? It's like, you you wouldn't know that fucking... Did, have you seen Behind the Mask yet? No, no, I haven't. <laughs> I'll get back to you soon. Yeah. I'm busy. Didn't I give that to you like a year ago? Six months. It's okay. Anyway, let's move on to the box office. Yeah. Box Malaysian box office. Malaysia. Number 10, Dance Flick. The Wayan Brothers movie. Fuck it. Number 9, Aliens in the Attic. Fuck, Fuck it. Great, uh, I, I love, love you, Beth, Beth Cooper. Cooper. No, we not don't. as bad as uh, <clears throat> I did hear one review that says not as bad as what the trailer looks like, where she's just a hoe, mm-hmm. a skanky hoe mm-hmm. from Hotel. Yeah, um, they did say some good things about it, but just like you know, it's it's a bit much, and you know. Number seven on His Majesty's Secret Service. Still no fucking idea what the hell this is about. Number six, Orphan. There's, There's something, something wrong, wrong with, with Esther. Esther. <laughs> Number five, Laughing Gall. <laughs> <laughs> Is this gore from the gore novels? Is this like a Conan-type movie? I think it is. Number four, District 9. Awesome. Awesome movie. Awesome Kick-ass. Vickers, we haven't done this at that again. Excellent. All this podcast. Yeah. You've got to be careful of those prawns, eh? This is a great find. This is a great find. There's it's definitely a- some criminal activity here. It's a great find. At number three, it's uh, G.I. John, The Rise of the Cobra. I can't do it. You can't do it properly, can you not? I can't do it. You can't, it's good. It's, uh, just, you just go with it. Just, 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 just think in your mind. Diplomatic immunity. Diplomatic immunity. Mr. X. Kantasami. <laughs> number three J.I. Joe Rise of Cobra apparently this is doing well enough outside the US to guarantee a sequel yes it's, it's matched it's US box office in the last couple yes. weeks so. yes it's not a bad movie we liked it McGettin' Fight approved two thumbs way, way up. up number, number two, two. an idiot uh, I think it's Indian you, you think so I think so number one up which we failed miserably to catch. <laughs> I'm going to try and catch it for next week's podcast. So we can have no, one. definitely, definitely. Yeah, because we need to see how this, this one abuses Gavin's inner child and why he hates it. Because you know he's going to hate it. I, 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 I'm, 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 I don't know how I'm going to feel about it. You are Carl. Yeah. Uh, at the US box office for the weekend. Number 10, Postgrad. Mm. Alexis Bledel and Michael Keaton didn't give a shit nah. number nine The Ugly Truth, Truth. Um, what's his Butler Gerard Butler Gerard and Butler, Captain, Captain Eagle. Eagle 
Apparently, this is just a movie about two horrible fucking people getting together, and you don't give a shit. That's what I've heard too. Number eight, Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince. Prince. Harry Potter. Number seven, G Force. This is. Is this out here? Not yet. I thought it was out already and it just disappeared off the top ten. I mean, yeah, we gotta go see that as well just for the 3D. Yeah. I haven't seen anything, I don't know. Number six, shorts, Robert Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Number five, Julie and Julia, hanging in there. Number four, The Time Traveler's Wife. I've heard this is annoying. I've heard this is very annoying. Yeah. From the, you know, well, it's, you know, it's from the guy who did the notebook. Mm. So, like, what do you expect? Number three, G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra. Still hanging in there in the U.S. Number two, District Nine. Awesome. Number one, Inglorious Bastards. 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 I did hear. I haven't. Well, I haven't. It's not going to come out here. But um, I've heard that in some places they're just calling it Inglorious. Really? Yeah, yeah. A couple of news places have said it in certain territories around the world they're just going to call it Inglorious. I'm looking really looking forward to this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We anyway, might, we might have to go to Singapore. Anyway, before we go, we're going to leave you with this little uh, audio thing. Oh Christ. Of uh, William Shatner performing Sarah Palin. Go for it. Okay. Now, what you will hear, what you will hear first, is like a brief excerpt of Sarah Palin's speech, and then you will hear the great William Shatner on Conan O'Brien's The Tonight Show. The Shat. The Shat. And here we are, signing off. Take care. I say it is the best road trip in America, soaring through nature's finest show. Denali, the great one, soaring under the midnight sun. The cold, though, doesn't it split the chichacos from the sourdoughs? With fireweed blooming along the frost heaves and merciless rivers that are rushing and... Here to read the Palin speech verbatim, as it was intended to be heard, is Emmy Award winner... And master thespian, Mr. William Shatner. Soaring through nature's finest snow. Denali, the great one, soaring under the midnight sun. And then the extremes in the wintertime. It's the frozen road that is competing with all of its ice-fogged, frigid beauty. The cold, though, doesn't it split the chichacos from the sourdough? And then in the summertime, such extremes. Summertime, about 150 degrees hotter than just some months ago, and then just some months from now. With fireweed blooming along the frost heaves and merciless rivers that are rushing and carving and reminding us that here, Mother Nature wins, and it is, as throughout all Alaska, that big, wild, good life teeming along the road that is north to the future. Thank you, and good night. Bye.